Great to have you with us. So Clemson laid a big old mm. egg up at Notre Dame. We got, we got to give Notre Dame a lot of credit. Obviously uh, played much better than a three-loss team. Seemed to be a team that's kind of finding their legs now, figuring things out under their first-year head coach. Did so with a um, uh, a quarterback that you would consider to be um, not high-level, but a high-level running game that Clemson never could get under control. Well, you know, Phil, it really did start with their defense and uh, two, two big issues. Um, the first one was they couldn't line up correctly to Notre Dame's multiple formations, and that was more obvious, I think, to folks. I've heard, I've heard from a lot of people before this show started tonight. I want to thank everybody for their input. Um, but honestly, they never did. They never really got it going as far as lining up correctly to the, the, the two tight end formation and then the three tight end formation. And the big deal, the really big deal, was they were lining up at some times with only three defensive linemen in a 3-4 look and trying to adjust out of that against a two and three tight end look. I think the most I saw against their 13 personnel, which are three tight ends, basically extra offensive linemen in those situations. And on third and one were four defensive linemen. And you go minimum five defensive linemen in that situation. With the talent Clemson had, they still were able to make a battle out of it until their defense just got absolutely worn out. But not a great job of aligning to it, number one. And number two, not matching. We call it matching personnel. Somebody in the press box sees the tight ends coming on to the game or into the game, and you send those linemen out there, especially in short yardage situations. And it was obvious what Notre Dame wanted to do. They wanted to get them misaligned which they did, and then just pound the running game, and they did a fantastic job of it. Yeah. And then uh, you look at Clemson. Offensively, uh, they didn't get much going in their running game. They finished with a net of 90 yards. Shipley had 63 yards <clears throat> to lead them. In the passing game, they weren't stellar either by any means, 191 through the air. A <clears throat> couple of uh, picks, one by Uyangale and one by Klubnik. And now they've really, once again, found themselves in a bit of a quandary when it comes to the quarterback situation. They have created the revolving door scenario now. And what's going to happen moving forward there if Uyangale, who I presume remains the starter, against Louisville doesn't come out and light it up and be real sharp? I, you know, I really don't know, Phil. I mean, they're, they're in a tough spot. I've got a ton of confidence in that staff. Their track record speaks for itself, especially Dabo's ability to manage situations like this. He knows his team probably better or as good as anybody in the country, better than probably anybody, uh, except maybe Brian Kelly and maybe Coach Saban and Heupel at this point and Kirby Smart. That would be the group I'd put him in. But, you know, two games ago, before the Syracuse game, Uli Ungele seemed to have having a great season, everything's rolling along, and the mm -hmm. wheels have just fallen off mentally for him. And I don't know. That's, I'm not sure if the staff could tell you if they wanted to what's going on with him. He might not be able to. Based on what we were saw, he was taking a lot of coverage sacks, three-step drop stuff, and he's not cutting the ball loose or throwing it away. Um, I don't know. It's, it was concerning to me just to watch as a coach because I've been in those situations, and they are some of the toughest you go through as a coach. But if anybody – can get them out of it. That's the staff that can do it. Hard to believe, though, a team like Clemson with their offensive reputation and prowess, they went nine straight possessions, not counting into the half, nine straight possessions without scoring before they finally I, got a score there in the fourth quarter. I was flabbergasted. I, I You know, we kind of talked back and forth, and it's just – 
defensively, I figured out immediately when I rewatched it, watching it again, it's just more confusing than ever. He had protection at times, and, and they, they couldn't establish a steady run game, which I think they kept expecting, hey, we'll make some plays like we always do. The kids will make plays, and they called the game according to that, and it just did not deliver. And, you know, Notre Dame got away with some stuff, but basically in ACC, I think Clemson – is the whipping boy with the officials. They don't get calls. They're not like the, the other elite teams in their conferences that get calls. ACC does not do that with them, and they didn't do it. They didn't get any benefits from the Zebras now. That wasn't the cause of their loss. I'm not going to blame them, but they had some open receivers that got drugged down by the jerseys, and that's a fact. That happened. It, it happened quite a bit in that ball game. but that happens every game with them, and they still beat people. You have to do that if you're going to be a champion. They've done it in the past, so that's no excuse. Huh. So you think Notre Dame got the favorite Irish treatment? I will tell you this, and I'll stand my put my reputation as Michigan, Ohio State, and Notre Dame are politically above every other school in the country, any school in the SEC, you name it, when it comes to the NCAA or anything to do with college football. And I'm passionate about that. Yeah. I've seen it firsthand. At, at Michigan State, we beat Michigan eight out of ten years, and for ten out of ten years they were an average preseason of 19 spots nationally better than we were at Michigan State. And if you hear some intensity in my voice, it is there. Yeah. I still have a problem with that. We whipped them, and I'll leave it at what we whipped them like because I don't want, don't want to mess up your show. Mm. But they, 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 we, we own that series. But when it came to politics, when it came to media coverage, when it came to everything, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Ohio State are untouchable. And they just planted those other two teams. They said, oh, we'll just take the winner out of these two. They're automatically better. You can't tell me the Big Ten top to bottom is even close to the SEC or the ACC for that matter. Look at Northwestern, who, who almost whipped Ohio State. But they won't suffer for that, okay, a, a, a one-win team. Nobody will say a word. The national media will ignore it. And Clemson, oh, they're dead and buried. Alabama's dead and buried for what? For losing to, at Tennessee and at LSU on a two-point conversion and a last-minute field goal. That's ridiculous. Uh, anybody that knows anything about football. But now, if you know about po the political end of it, as you do feel, you were talking about the high school end of it, it's the same version of what you were dealing with in South Carolina with those, those charter schools. The same thing, only it's in the rankings and in the politics that the coaches do not control, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, let's go to, and, and I agree with you about Alabama. We had somebody call tonight saying, hey, you know, uh, Saban can't coach anymore. He's got bad oh. coaches. And, I, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> look, they lost by a kick at Tennessee, and they lost by a two-point conversion at LSU. And, I mean, are they short hey, in a couple of areas? I mean, maybe, they're, I, you know, I hear their receivers, you know, the analysts say their receivers aren't as dynamic as they're used to having and all that kind of stuff. But it's Alabama. And they're still going to attract the very best players in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And whoever, only Auburn fans or people that hate Alabama or hate Clemson, for that matter, are burying these kid, these people and these kids. And to say Nick Saban can't coach, well, I guess Santa Claus can't do Christmas either. either. You know, I'm not, come on, are you, are, are, what are you smoking out there saying <laughs> something? That's crazy. I've kept coached against him. Trust me, he can coach. He knows what he's doing. You know, roll, roll with your team out there against his and see what happens. That's all I'd say about that. That's all right, crazy. let's go to uh, <laughs> let's go to Gamecocks, and uh, they go to Vandy and they do what they're supposed to do. And I'll say this: one thing about South Carolina under Shane Beamer is they've done in almost two full years what they're expected to do. Maybe that lost in Missouri last week 
because they were expected to win that game. They were favorite, and they were at home, and they blew it. That might be one black mark against them there. But for the most part, they've taken care of their business against the teams that they should they should handle. And they did that against Vanderbilt. And I thought that offensively, of course, they were much more creative, much more um, uh, outside the box, I guess, with their play calling, which you'd like to see them try and do that against the better teams on their schedule. I think that's a great – they're like a schoolyard bully, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. If a team's weak or even with them, they'll go at it like, no, there's no tomorrow. We don't want to see them go stand in the corner when the big dog comes in the schoolyard. We want to see them go toe-to-toe. And it's not a matter of being afraid of them. I want to make sure the listeners aren't thinking that. The The deal is they, they are conservative because they don't want to create mistakes that cost them a game, and they know there's a low margin for error. I think that's probably – and it's sound thinking – but you got to play to win, back to your point, Phil. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and I'll say this, 100% agree, most consistent staff as far as not blowing games that, we, that I've seen at South Carolina, including the ones I was a part of, we, you know, we beat Georgia and lose to East Carolina the next week and frustrate the, the mess out of you. But this team, other than Missouri, and I think what happened there was when Lloyd went down, they kind of got caught, you know, hey, what do we do? And they tried to do the same things without him there, and he's so dynamic. They had a week to prepare without him, and they came out and did a great job. So hmm. they adjusted. They made adjustments. We saw improvement from one week to the next without him. And, you know, Missouri beat them by a field goal, beat Vanderbilt by a field goal. So we saw South Carolina and Missouri had them in Columbia, Missouri. So South Carolina improved from week to week. That's really all you can ask. They're doing a nice job in my book. I mean, there's really nothing you can say bad about them, in my opinion. You know, hey, they made the adjustment, they moved on, and that's what Clemson's going to have to do. We've got to see them, especially at the quarterback position, get some productivity. South Carolina's doing that. Uh, they're at different levels, but they're both doing they're doing what they need to do. What'd you think of the quarterback play? What'd you think of how they used Jaheim Bell? What'd you think of some of the uh, trickeration that they added into the offensive play calling? Uh, you know, there's two kind of time, uh, trick plays. There's ones that are sound and solid and realistic, yet creative. And, and then there are ones that are not, and they're kind of foolish looking and they're ill-executed. South Carolina was rock solid. They were that way down the stretch against Texas A&M. When Lloyd went out for a little bit, they ran a reverse and a couple other things. The use of Bell was spot on. I, I think it was as good a coordinated game as they've had. The only one other one I would say offensive coordinated line was just as good, if not better, was the bowl game last year when they beat North Carolina. Um, uh, both of those are extremely well-coached games. And, and really, as bad as people have said they are at times, a lot of times you, you get outmatched talent-wise by a Georgia or somebody. That costs you your creativity or how good you're going to look because the other team's better than you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but when they've had their chances, and they got caught off guard against Missouri with the injury, I think Lloyd is a big-time leader as well as a big-time player, and that means a ton. They did a great job adjusting, and my hat's off to them. I mean, that's from a coaching standpoint, that's the kind of stuff you want to see, and they got to be proud of that win. I, I'm sure Beamer was Shane was grinning on that field big time, and he should. He should be proud because that was a great coaching job to get that team rallied back, fired up, and going into a half-empty stadium and really outplaying an inferior opponent and putting them away fairly early on and taking care of business and not letting them back in the game. He did everything that – Gamecock fans worry about. They, they made sure they didn't have to worry about it in Nashville. That was a great job. Yeah, yeah. But but there's always something. You know, you'd like to have that game <laughs> where there isn't something. There's always something. And no. they couldn't stop the run well against Vanderbilt. It's like, you know, this team that had looked so good 
on the defensive front and kind of gotten stronger and, and done a better job. And um, they got handled by Vanderbilt up front. That running back, 167 yards, gave up some long runs, some long drives, uh, you know, on the defense. And, and you got to be worried about that, certainly, going to Florida. Well, I think to a, to a degree you do. That, I think probably more they were emphasizing in this game, let's don't give up the big plays. And once they got up in the game, it changed what they were doing defensively to a degree. Mm-hmm. And their aggression, they played more people, which they should do. You get a big lead like that, you know, late in that game they were up big. They played some reserves, and those reserves made some mistakes, and Vanderbilt was able to push some of those kids around. Um, the intensity on defense was definitely not what it was against Texas A&M, and honestly – you know it's not going to be. I mean, I, I, you want it to be, but it's not going to be because they know it's Vanderbilt. And they're looking at the scoreboard and going, hey, you know, we, we got this. And this is dangerous, but you have to manage it. You have to stay on them. I thought they did a good job of staying on them. It wasn't pretty, but Vanderbilt's playing for their lives over there. They give out scholarships to her. They as talented as Carolina? No, not, not close. Uh, they're not as talented as anybody else in the SEC. They're at the bottom, and there's a reason for that. And we all know it's academics. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, it, it's something. It's a great thing to hammer this week because you got confidence now. You got to win, and that's something that they can go in that defensive meeting room and bless out the defense for giving up 27 points to Vanderbilt and have them have them with their hair on fire for Saturday. So it's a great, as you say. There's always one thing, and a good coach always finds that one thing. Is 27 points too much? Realistically, as long as 37 wouldn't be too much as long as you win. Mm. But for the down down the road. And the coaching part of it, you're going to, you know, raise holy heck as, as much as you can this week and be all over them because their confidence can take it. So it's a, that's a great point, and it's true. They didn't play great against the run, but they didn't have to for this game. And when you're building a program, you do whatever you can to win. And they knew the long ball, which I don't think Vandy was capable of really hitting and hurting with them. They wanted to take that away and make them beat them with the clock running, and they couldn't do it. They didn't have enough time nor the talent to do that and get the 39 points. Yeah, they did have – they had the one 66-yard on their possession uh, early in the first half. Uh, Vandy threw a 66-yard touchdown pass to Skinner. Remember that one? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean – Other than that, they only had their longest their, – their longest reception beyond that was just 28 yards, and then everything – after that, the longest catch was 13 yards. So they really just gave up the one super long pass and one medium long pass. And, they, and that, that's, you know, they're not to a point where they can go out there and dictate terms to even Vanderbilt. They're going to get some plays run on them. You know, when we're looking at them, the expectation at this point in year two of a to complete rebuild, they're bowl eligible too. We don't need to that's, – that's a whole extra month of practices they just picked up. Uh, that they're going to have on next year. It's going to make next year's team better, should make recruiting better, hopefully. Um, that's a big, big, big win. And, and here's the thing you say, you say, we look at, you know, it's a solid win. It's a solid win. No, that's a bowl-clinching win, and that would have been a catastrophic loss in the beginning of a, lo- a horrible losing streak and maybe an end of their season mm. if they lose that game. So that's a massive win. And I think what they were doing at the point they got up big, when they got – to that, that big lead there in the third quarter, they're thinking, okay, we're going to manage this game, and there's going to be no way that Vanderbilt gets back in this thing. They can run the ball. We'll give them the run. We'll tackle them, let the clock run, but we're not giving up the big play again if we can help. At least that's what the coaches are saying. And, of course, the kids, 
it, they still see Vanderbilt. They're not as good as us. It's just like they did against Kentucky until Kentucky whipped them enough they respected them. Once they respected them, then what happens? They go up and, and beat them in, in Lexington and beat one of the better Kentucky teams they've ever seen. But it's all about mentality of those kids. And I think Shane Beamer, I don't, again, don't know his secret, but he's doing a great job of managing expectations and getting these kids amped up. He, they've come out a lot stronger for their talent level than most schools have. Alabama's had down games. I mean, they barely beat Texas. Have struggled against Texas A&M. Lost two games. Now, for Alabama's level of talent, that's not good. For, for South Carolina's level of talent, I'd give them an A-plus right now for what they're doing, Phil. I mean, if it was 6-3, who would have took 6-3? and three? I think we all would have uh, for the Gamecocks. Now, Clemson, that's not acceptable. So we got different expectations from a coaching standpoint. Mm -hmm. But South Carolina is way ahead of schedule. Who would have thought they beat Texas A&M? We could have took pretty much everybody in Columbia and the whole state of South Carolina's paycheck if we would have told them they were going to win that game when they hired Shane Beamer. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Always great stuff from you. Great analysis. Good breakdown on everything. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Okay, the coach, Zach Willis, first and 10 with us here on Sports Talk. Always great hearing from him, getting his take on what he saw from over the weekend.